Welcome to the Road to 10B podcast for aspiring triathletes on a journey to the world-renowned Ironman Wales event in Tenby. Here's your host, hoping to inspire you to reach your goals and full potential. He's an Ironman Wales finisher, PGA golf professional and a proud father, Tom Davis. Hey everyone, welcome to the Road to Tenby podcast. Uh, just been trying to find out for the last five minutes what episode this is and I've got no idea. So sorry in advance for everybody who's, well, uh, who's expecting me to, to announce the episode, but I'm joined by uh, a bit of a Welsh legend in triathlon, uh, 2013 ITU world champion, if I've got that right. Um, non Stanford, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me along. It's uh, really cool to, to be speaking to you. Yeah, and thanks, thanks so much. I know we just had a little chat offline, but thanks so much for squeezing this in. Uh, I know you're on the road at the moment, so um, yeah, thanks so much. Oh, no worries. Like I said, uh, my life is pretty much on the road, so um, it's normal for me. And uh, yeah, it's great to speak to somebody from back home and hear a good Welsh accent again. <laughs> well, I don't know about a good Welsh accent, but I've definitely got a Welsh accent. <laughs> oh, no, definitely. It's good. It's nice and strong. <laughs> Where, I'll be where, speaking like you by the end. <laughs> oh, that'd be class. My, my, I, I did listen to a podcast you were on the other day, actually. Um, it was a Welsh-speaking podcast. I can't even pronounce the name of the podcast. Um Awr. That's it, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of like, we, we live in Llanelli at the moment, and like there's a lot of Welsh speakers around here, and I'm not a Welsh speaker at all, but I'm kind of learning. So I listened to the whole podcast, and I probably, I don't know, I probably understood about, 50 60 percent of it and I, I was quite chuffed to be fair yeah yeah was, that's pretty uh, impressive yeah, yeah well I, I was happy with it I couldn't join in but uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> I could understand it a bit so so non where where are you from in South Wales uh, I'm from Swansea um but I went to school in Patalbert uh in secondary school so kind of got friends between the both and uh yeah those both of them are kind of home I guess yeah what what school in Patalbert uh, I went to St. Joseph's, uh, Roman Catholic, um, yeah, so uh, I went to a Welsh-speaking primary school in Swansea, that's uh, why I can right. speak Welsh, so. Ah, uh, God, what a legend. So, you know, in school, did you get taught by uh, Ember's mum or dad? I did, yeah, I did, I got taught by Mr. Keogh, art, <laughs> <laughs> he's an absolute legend, I can remember, um, having the most fun in his art classes it was brilliant <laughs> yeah he's he, he has well he's still a legend uh yeah we we actually went down to because they live in dale at the moment um they have okay, been for a while. and um we, we had like a bit of a training session the other day down in dale and he took us all out in the boat and there was like a photographer with the group that we were with and uh, they all thought he was a legend <laughs> oh he is he's if he's if he's anything like he was he's just so funny it's a, a joke of it yeah. so that's fab <laughs> yeah that's class so you know for you growing up in south wales uh, kind of what how did your kind of like triathlon kind of uh, interest start? Uh, did it start in like a different sport or did you get straight into triathlon straight away? No, so I didn't actually start triathlon until I was 19. Uh, oh, that wow. was when I was at, at university uh, up in Birmingham. But I was involved in sport from basically the day I was born. So my mum was one of the British gymnastic coaches. And I guess from day one, I was just kind of surrounded by like high level sport. So while she was coaching, I'd just be playing around uh, in the gym while the other girls were training. And I started off doing a bit of gymnastics when I was younger. And 
Uh, I went over to America this one time to compete with the Welsh team and uh, kind of realised I wasn't really that good. I was nine, nine at the time. And I remember coming back and saying to my mum, mum, do you think I'll go to the Olympics? And she said, uh, probably not, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <well. So> she, <laughs> harsh maybe at the age of nine but at least she was honest with me and I didn't waste too much time um sort of pursuing that avenue uh, so I just decided then that I had to find something that maybe I could go to the Olympics in and yeah uh that was initially I decided that I'd join the local swimming club so I joined Swim Swansea or City of Swansea swimming at the time and sort of started swimming and that went pretty well I really enjoyed it and when I went to secondary school then, my mum was actually my PE teacher, so she would have been oh, a wow. teacher as well. <laughs> um, and I kind of got coaxed into the cross-country team because my mum needed numbers and, and started running that way. And then was kind of still swimming, but running, probably more focused on running as I was growing up and going through school and a member of the Swansea Harriers and, and running with the school team and, and that kind of stuff, really. Oh, that's class. So, so like... At what point did you decide uh, I really need to kind of stop focusing all my efforts on uh, running across country? And then it's not so much what point. It's like, what was the reason? Like, why, why did you kind of switch across? Um, so like I said, I was at university when I first started triathlon. Uh, I think I was in my second year. And I'd spent the whole of my first year of university injured. So I'd gone to Birmingham because it was a really good balance of academics and athletics. They had a really strong cross country and athletics team. And I basically couldn't compete the whole time and spent a lot of the time not being able to do much because I was injured. And I hadn't really been swimming for a while because I'd quit swimming to focus on athletics, uh, but decided to get back in the water with the triathlon team just to try and keep fit and do yeah. a bit of cross, uh, cross training. And, um, the coach there at the time, Steve Lumley, kind of gradually persuaded me um, to, to actually give triathlon a go. I think he said, you'll never be a world-class runner, which is probably a bit harsh, but <laughs> maybe true again. I've had some, I've been dealt some, uh, some harsh blows <laughs> over the years. <laughs> uh, he's like, but you have the potential to be a good triathlete. So, I mean, I didn't believe a word of it, um, but I was like, I'll give it a go. Yeah, why not? It'll be a bit of fun. And uh, yeah, so I did my first triathlon, I think in 2009. Uh, and that's kind of where it started. Although my first one, uh, I absolutely hated and said, I'm never doing that ever again. So. Oh, really? And where, yeah. where was that? Um, it was in Strathclyde. It was the British, I was kind of thrown in the deep end. It was the British Elite Champs and uh, Strathclyde Olympic distance. And it just felt so long. I was like, this is never gonna end. And I was speaking to someone that does Ironman, I know. But um, at the time it was um, a big shock from going from being like a 1500 3K runner to doing an Olympic distance triathlon. And um, yeah, I just thought that was horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So like, where, where did you kind of like, what, once, you, once you got over that kind of like, uh, that feeling of it being horrendous. How long did it take you to think, I, I want to do another one? Um, I think, because I was sort of in this squad that uh, at the university that had, it was a good mixture of sort of university recreational athletes right the way through to some sort of, some international athletes. So Jodie Stimpson was um, on the squad at the time. And I think I just sort of got 
pulled along in the kind of rhythm of it all and before I knew it I was doing another race and uh, I just started with the British Super Series that they used to have yeah. and I think it was Blenheim and Windsor and uh, yeah I just sort of did those and sort of gradually could see a bit of a progression race to race and felt like I was sort of getting into a rhythm with it and eventually started enjoying it even though I think well, I definitely <laughs> crashed in Blenheim and Windsor um, just being awful on the bike i think <laughs> i jumped on my bike in blenheim and rode straight into the barrier and came off nice, got back on nice. <laughs> and then in windsor i just rode into a bush <laughs> nice <laughs> so i definitely didn't have the smoothest start to triathlon <laughs> yeah, so you, you know like you, you say you've had um a bit of a run background done a lot of swimming when you were younger which seems to be like relatively common for a lot of triathletes. Like for me, I didn't swim at all and I couldn't swim a length when I first started. Um, but for you then, kind of like taking up cycling as part of triathlon, was that the discipline which you needed to kind of like bring up the most then? Or uh, was did you kind of like take to it quite naturally? Uh, yeah, I definitely you know, took time to get used to riding a bike. I'd never ridden a proper road bike before. You know, I'd learned to ride a bike as a kid and, yeah. and that kind of stuff, but never really ridden a bike. So I can remember everyone saying to me, you just need to, you know, time in the saddle, time in the saddle and, and you'll be fine. So yeah, I committed to it and um, was really fortunate to get some great sort of uh, coaching in terms of like bike handling. Because at ITU, it's really important that you can handle handle your bike and, and ride um ride well um so it probably took me a couple of years to really get comfortable um mm. but i think of the three disciplines it's probably the easiest one to pick up um mm. and sort of improving um you know swimming is very hard to pick up because it's so technical uh, and i think for people that haven't had a big run background find running really hard to pick up but uh, i think cycling is probably the easiest of the three uh, so i was quite fortunate i guess in in that yeah. regard it was just sort of about spending time in the saddle and uh, and getting used to handling the bike, really. Yeah, and and suffering. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there's a lot of that. A lot of yeah. that, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I I've not really raced like many triathlons at all, and I'm relatively inexperienced. And to be fair, I'm probably the most uneducated guest, uh, well, uneducated host uh, that you've ever you've ever been interviewed by, um, because I'm literally so raw in terms of triathlon. Uh, I've done maybe four or five triathlons in total. One of them was Ironman Wales. Um, so I, I still need to learn how to suffer a little bit more, uh, de definitely, because I think there's a bit of an art to that, to be fair. Because we, we train, well, I train with a little group uh, and we do a lot of work on trainer road. And so, some of the boys, oh my God, you know, they, they're just so, so good at suffering. And I, I think I think it's there's a bit of a kind of uh, a knack to kind of get into that that zone, you know. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, it's something that you learn over the years. And mm. if you've, you know, like I said, I've been doing sort of swimming where you suffer a lot um, from a young age. You know, swimming club is brutal. Uh, you're swimming twice a day and some of the sessions are really tough. And yeah. um, when you look, when I look back now and think how young I was in some of the sessions that we were doing, I just, it blows my mind. But it definitely laid the foundations, uh, I think, for, you know, my future career in, in triathlon because it taught me how to suffer. It taught me discipline. Um, and I think it's something that you can definitely pick up on. Some people are naturally, uh, I think, able to, to suffer and push themselves. Um, you know, I see um, 
athletes, elite athletes who can suffer more than others. And some, you know, some athletes are softer than others and, and some just have some amazing mental capabilities. One of the toughest athletes that I know is Alistair Brownlee. Um, his ability to suffer is just absolutely incredible. (laughs) Just, he, I think he misses some sort of feedback loop that tells his brain that he's really hurting. (laughs) That's the only way I can explain it. But, um, yeah, it's probably why he's one of the best in the world. Hey. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's, that's amazing to be fair. So, so, you know, like, um, I'm assuming that you've never done Ironman distance at all. Uh, and like there, there, there must be such a big difference between kind of like intensities of like the race that I'm really interested in and, you know, Ironman races compared to the races that you've been doing. How, how then does the kind of like training change for you then where you'd be doing, you know, short, short races, which are potentially a lot more intense? Um, so obviously I'm not an expert in Ironman training. I don't, uh, I've never, like you said, I've never done one. So I've never had to go through that process of training, but from what I understand, um, yeah, you guys have to do a lot of sort of threshold, um, based work and obviously a lot of, a lot of hours. Um, mm. whereas, you know, I'm still training like a big, big week would be 35 hours, but generally anywhere between 20 and 30 hours a week. But Again, I'm also, it's my job, so I have a lot more time to, to do that. Uh, you know, I appreciate a lot of people who are, who are training for an Ironman have got a full-time job, and um, it just blows my mind how you guys manage to, to fit it all in. Um, but, yeah, so we try to, a lot of our training is quite polarized, so yeah. we have some super easy days, and then the intense stuff tends to be, tends to be quite intense. Um, but we do also do tempo work. So on a Saturday morning, um, my favorite Saturday morning session would be a 60 minute build run where you go for me, it would be 20 minutes around 350 pace straight into 20 minutes around 340 pace. And then 20, the last 20 minutes around 330 pace. Um, that's kind of my, my sweet spot. I love, I love that kind of running, but then on the flip on the Tuesday, we'd have maybe 10, 400s, um, and that would be above your 5k race pace. So there's probably a lot more, I would imagine a lot more intensity, um, with the ITU Olympic distance style training compared to the Ironman stuff where you just need to be able to suffer and be uncomfortable, I guess, for, for yeah. hours on end. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 quite interesting because, like I've said already, I'm I'm quite new to the sport in general, and just trying to understand kind of like the differences between, you know, training for one race compared to another, and like I see like a lot of at least Ironman athletes. I don't really want to call myself an athlete uh, because <laughs> <You've> done <laughs> I, I, I've done it. I've done it once, but like I, I don't know. Um, it's it's not really. Uh, I, I don't know just seem a bit strange calling myself an athlete but um we tend to do like all different types of races you know like building up to an Ironman you do like sprint distance Olympic distance maybe half Ironman as well and um you know you can't be good at all of them if you if you're only training for for an Ironman kind of thing so it's just really interesting to hear kind of like the way in which you train and um what 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 about the bike then like what, what does a typical kind of week look like for you on the bike a typical week would be, I think, around 14 hours uh, in total. Uh, and that would be, again, a mixture of sort of short, easy rides. Um, so like Monday is uh, a 90-minute easy spin. 
Uh, up to our longest rides in the winter would be four to five hours, just steady. Uh, but then we'll also have at least two bike sessions in there a week. Um, plus, on a Tuesday, we do an hour easy, but we'd have um, 10 by 15 seconds max sprints uh, uh, okay. in there. Because um, obviously, for us, it's really important that you have top ends coming out yeah, of some of those yeah. dead turns and on the technical bits of the course. You've got to be able to sort of put put the watts the watts and the, put the power down really. So, uh, and then uh, the other sessions would be we do a lot of hill work. So maybe um, ten up to ten by five minutes, um, sort of fairly solid efforts on a hill. Uh, and then we do crit. The other session a week would be a crit kind of session. So. A lot of times it's in a car park because wherever we are in the world, we don't ha always have access to a crit yeah, yeah, yeah. So our coaches go out and put cones out around a car park and oh, um, wow. we kind of ride a bit of a technical crit course. Um, and it's basically to practice those sort of handling under pressure and, and riding in a group on a, on a really tight course, which is quite specific to the ITU style mm. racing. But they are pretty tough, tough uh, yeah. sessions. Um, especially because I, I train with Katie Safiris, who's the current um, world champion, and um, she's super strong on the bike, so she makes me suffer. Her and her, and her husband <laughs> joins us as well, and yeah, that's uh, that's one of the toughest sessions of the week. <laughs> yeah, talk, talking about a crit race, I, I done, uh, I've only ever done one crit race, and it's probably the only one I will ever do. Uh, <laughs> and I, I'd, I'd done it about a year ago. Was it? Yeah, it would have been about a year ago. Not not long after I kind of like just started getting back into uh, training and. I didn't really know much about it. I didn't even know how long the race was. And I've I've gone there and I've rocked it. And I definitely looked the fastest out of everyone. Like that's the, and that's, that's, that's the most important half thing. Half the battle, yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I'm not kidding you. I got spat out of the back within probably the first lap. And because uh, they got, I don't know whether you've, you've been down to uh, the track in Pembrey at all or you know much about it, but they got a cracking little track down there. And uh, yeah, within one lap, I was on my own and I'd just done about 35 laps on my own. It was, it was really nice. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> that's not fun. I think a lot, of, a lot of those things, it's not necessarily just your fitness or your power. It's knowing how to ride in a group. It's a skill yeah. and learning how to read the race and, and what other people are doing. So um Go back and have another go. You'll be all right. You yeah, might find yeah. a bit more experience I've, this time. <laughs> I've, I've, de I've definitely improved a lot, especially on the bike. And uh, and it's quite interesting even listening to, to what you were saying about the bike in terms of like it's the easiest one to pick up. And I, I, I kind of agree. But for me, it's been the hardest because I was, I've just been so weak on the bike. Um, I'm, not, I'm not a small lad and I've got legs like a nine-year-old boy so like <laughs> it's, it's been like it's been a real long journey you know to try and get anywhere near half decent on the bike but I'm, I'm definitely getting there and um I think like you said I should go back and have another crack at that race definitely yeah definitely I think there's a lot to be said for putting yourself even if it's not specific um to sort of how an Ironman bike would look. I think there's a lot to be said for getting involved in those kind of races. I think they make you, they just make you work really hard and make you really strong. Yeah. And um, even though you're doing long distance things, uh, long distance races, I definitely think you sh it's something to be said for doing um, efforts that are over the kind of power that you need to be putting out yeah. in an Ironman. I think it just gets you really fit. And, and I think makes it more enjoyable when you can um, be with other people and sort of engage in something more than just sort of sitting on a turbo or going yeah. out and doing long miles on your own. 
Because um, I think that's one of the brutal things about Iron Man is being on your own on the bike pretty much for hours yeah. on end. <laughs> um, I think I'd I'd lose concentrations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, it it's very different. Like, because we we tend to go out in in groups, as I'm sure you do, and. Um, like you say, you come to, come to a race, and especially like I've only done one, but in Ironman, you do spend the vast majority of the time on your own, apart from when the crowds are there. And, um, you know, in, in Tembi especially, you know, when you do that first loop and you come back through kind of like Wiseman's Bridge, Saunders Foot, and it's just absolutely mental. And then you go back through the town and then you're on your own for like an hour. And it's like, what's going on? Yeah, <laughs> you know, that it, it, really it, tough. Yeah, it, 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 it is quite difficult, but... Um, yeah, there's 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 something to be said about that. Just kind of uh, just getting stuck stuck in and getting amongst it, and you know, just learning to to push at a higher power, definitely. Yeah, well, it kind of forces you out of that comfort zone as well. So mm, if mm. suffering is something that maybe you struggle with, I guess it forces you to do that if you want to stay with with the pack. And um, yeah, yeah, it makes yeah. you uncomfortable for quite a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I think ev- everything about triathlon makes me uncomfortable, to be honest with you. But uh, <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. I enjoy. I enjoy it. It's it's better than going to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's but- for sure. Yeah, definitely. So for for you over the next year, Norm, what's what's kind of on the cards in terms of races you've got coming up? Uh, any goals or any other plans you've got? Really, I understand you you're getting married next year as well. Yeah, getting married, which is scary. <laughs> I can't believe I'm old enough. I am 31, so I should probably get my head around it. But um, yeah, going to get married <laughs> next November. So that's exciting. And that's definitely something to look forward to. Fingers crossed that um, things are a bit more back to normal and we can actually yeah. have kind of a more sort of normal wedding by next next yeah. November. But um, yeah, in terms of triathlon, so. yeah. In terms of triathlon, again, you know, hopefully the kind of world series and races can go ahead a bit more normally next year um if that's the case then you know i'll really be focusing on the world series um the world triathlon series that is um and um yeah trying to get myself back on the overall podium that would be kind of the dream for the next year uh, and then hopefully that would put me in a position to qualify for the Commonwealth Games the year after in Birmingham because I'd love to sort of go back out and represent Wales again. And um, I didn't have my best race on the Gold Coast for the Commonwealth Games in 2018. So I'd like to sort of go out and, and, and do a bit better, even though it was an amazing experience because I got to be captain of the team. So it was an incredible few weeks. But on a personal note, in terms of my own performance, I'd love to go out and, and kind of represent Wales a little bit better yeah. next time round. So yeah, that'd be <laughs> those are my, yeah, those <laughs> are my main goals really. And um, yeah, hopefully provided I can stay healthy, I'm coming back from knee surgery, which I had last November. Oh, wow. um, and it was go, it's been going really, really well. I had a bit of a hiccup in the last few weeks. Um, but considering it was, you know, pretty major surgery, um, you know, I'm just, pretty happy to be to be able to to run and bike again relatively normal so um mm. yeah it's the year to have a few problems isn't it as it turns out so Def- um, definitely <laughs> it's the year I'm of not... problems exactly yeah yeah i mean it's just 2020 isn't it so yeah ex- exactly exactly so you know like you, you said you've uh, you've come back from injury there kind of um how how long did it take you to kind of like from that knee surgery to get like back to any form of training? Because I, I could imagine being like a professional athlete, 
that must just be like soul destroying just not being able to do anything at all it, it's really hard because you kind of lose your sen- sense of purpose mm. um and as much as i don't want to you know my life to purely be about triathlon um it is my job so it's like you can't get up and go to work every day and yeah it was it was pretty tough uh but i was lucky to have like a really great medical team around me uh and they kept me pretty busy with a lot of rehab um so i mean i was really limited in what i could do because uh the nature of the surgery meant i had to keep my legs straight like dead straight for um i think it was six to eight weeks and i was in a brace yeah um as I, I was allowed to take it off to do some like little exercises but that was it you know I was sleeping in it i was on crutches like walking around with it not being able yeah. to bend my knee couldn't drive for weeks ahead because i couldn't bend oh, my no knee way. to get in the car um but i think so i had the surgery sort of start of november and i think by december i was allowed to get on the bike but and this is the only time I was allowed to take the brace off, but it was for like, I wasn't allowed to do more than 20 watts. So, 20 watts. <laughs> yeah, so it's basically, it was just to get that movement going. So I think I was doing like 20 minutes, three times a week. And it was just to get the brace off and to make, make sure it wasn't getting too stiff. Yeah. But other than that, and I was, had to have a seat at a certain angle because I wasn't allowed to bend my knee too much. And it was wow. crazy. But um, I think by end of January, they upped it to 100 watts. Uh, <laughs> and then it was just like this gradual progression from there. And um, I actually could get in the pool once the wound had all healed and I had all the stitches mm. out. I could get in the pool, but I had to have a pool boy in and a band. because I wasn't allowed, to, again, I wasn't allowed to bend my knee at all. And I wasn't allowed to do tumble turns or push off the wall. So I'd sort of get yeah, towards yeah. the wall and do this like weird little turn like I was, the, like I was like the titanic turning at the end of everybody that's, that's standard procedure for me no just for you to know <laughs> <laughs> but you're probably allowed to push off the wall i wasn't allowed to push off the wall so it's like oh, yeah. <laughs> you'd lose your momentum and have to get going again so there was weeks and weeks of that as well but i mean i can laugh about it now and um it was a long road back like because i was so long on crutches and in this brace i basically had to teach myself how to walk again mm. um and I was walking with a limp for ages and I had, they had to get a specialist in to sort of try and help me get my normal gait back. And, um, yeah, it was quite a, a quite a long progression, but, um, you know, I was getting there and I was back running pretty well about six weeks ago, but then picked up a little, um, stress response in my shin. And we think okay. it's because my biomechanics altered a little bit, um, after the surgery, just running yeah. a bit differently and loading everything a bit differently. So, um, yeah. Never mind. It seems to all be back on track, and I'm trying my first Good. run outside tomorrow. So oh, fingers crossed, that's all right. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I hope, I hope I hope it is. So is is that kind of like the longest layoff that you've had, um, you know, in your whole career from an injury standpoint? Yeah, probably. Um, I have had quite a lot of injuries over the years, but I think this is the one where I was sort of most immobilized for mm. the longest period. Back in 2014, I tore my plantar fascia. Um, and that was, that was pretty painful. Um, I was doing a 10 K race and I had a lot of problems with it before, but in the middle of this 10 K race, I just heard this like ripping sound and, uh, I couldn't oh. literally couldn't put my foot on the floor anymore cause it just ripped. So, yeah. yeah, that was pretty bad. And that took a lot of, I basically didn't race the whole of 2014, uh, oh, wow. after that point. So 
that kind of that was another really big one that took a long time to sort of um get over but mm. yeah the knee surgery is probably the most serious one that i've had yeah. it's always a bit scary when you say surgery isn't it but <laughs> yeah i i could i could just imagine it like obviously physically it would be quite tough but it must take its toll like mentally as well kind of you know just that's such a big change in terms of going from training full-time then to, to nothing um hopefully drinking a lot of coffee um but <laughs> um but yeah i could just imagine that mentally being quite tough yeah, it, you know, it was quite tough, but and because it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I'd been having this like a bit of a sore knee towards the end of the season last year, but I thought, have a few weeks off of my break, it'll be absolutely fine, but it just didn't clear up. Uh, and we had a scan just to see what was going on and didn't think it'd be anything much. And then I was in Australia at the time and the doctor called and was like, you need to get home straight away, you need to go in for surgery and it has to be in London. So uh, within a couple of days of finding out, I was on a plane back to the UK and within a week, I was getting the surgery done so yeah it was all happened really quickly but like I said I got a great medical team around me and they tried to keep me as busy as possible I guess I was going in to see them every day and uh they were doing with you know what what they could with me um the first couple of weeks I literally laid on the sofa and slept uh because I was absolutely <laughs> whacked from the uh from the surgery but the anesthetic did not agree with me and I think I was, I was having like four hour naps every day <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> it's the key to healing, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way to that's the way to do it. Yeah. But I think with anything like I think like a lot of people have found during uh all this lockdown, the best way to get through it all is to to keep yourself busy and, and use mm. it as an opportunity to do stuff that you don't normally get time to do. So for me, being injured meant that I could see my friends and family more. Because uh, I do miss out on a lot of um, time with my friends and family, especially as I'm generally either based up in Leeds um, yeah. in, in Yorkshire or around the world. You know, we're on camp yeah. most of the year. So, yeah, I just try to capitalize on on those kind of um, opportunities uh, and caught up in a lot of Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> important things in life so. <laughs> are, are all your family still in south wales not yeah pretty much all of them my brother lives in milton Keynes, um but other than that my whole family and obviously all my school friends uh are all in are all in south wales so my my heart is definitely very much still still <laughs> down there <laughs> but you're you you live in leeds right yeah, so yeah. I moved to Leeds in 2011 after I finished university and um, I've pretty much been based there ever since. I joined an international training group about two years ago. No, at the end of 2018. Yes, yeah, so yeah. two years ago now. Yeah. And um, yes, yeah, so ever since then, I've pretty much been on the road, but I still have my house in Leeds. And when I go back, I tend to go back to Leeds because I can still train with a the squad there as well. So yeah. I've got a good balance, really. Yeah, nice. So t touching again on kind of like your uh, your events for next year, if you if you do really well in Birmingham in the Commonwealth Games, uh, are there any other kind of like goals that you've got that you, you still want to kind of like tick off, like big, big goals? With triathlon? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I don't... <sighs> 
I don't know. At the minute, I'm kind of focused on getting to Birmingham and having a great race there. For me, it would kind of be full circle with triathlon. I started triathlon in Birmingham and it would be great to, to go back there and race and, and kind of have a great one. And I haven't really looked much past uh 2022 i'll be 33 yeah. then um and so i've been i've been competing for the last gosh it's scary when i think of this like 14 15 years yeah um so yeah i don't know if i'm if i'm still loving the sport and everything's going really well i'm fit i'm healthy and i'm still able to compete well at the highest level then there is the possibility that I'll keep going and, you know, maybe look at Paris Olympics 2024, yeah. uh, maybe try some 70.3s. Um, but, you know, I might get to 2022, have a great race and be like, I'm done. So I haven't, like I said, I haven't planned much past that point yet. But sure. um, at the minute, that's kind of my big goal and um, to get there really and, and see how it goes. Sounds like a good way to think about it. Just keep yourself in the present and uh, just see how it goes. Yeah, definitely. You can't can't plan too far ahead, can you? You just don't exactly. know what's going to happen and how you're gonna how you're gonna feel. You know, you, you hear people wake up and they're just like, "I don't want to go training anymore," and you know, you just don't want to do it anymore. So, um, you know, that could could well happen as well. And I hope not mm. because I I like to think I'll be someone that trains and keeps active for life but um yeah the difference between i guess doing it for fun and keeping healthy and it being your job yeah. so yeah um yeah see how how the body and mind is i guess so do you, you you said you mentioned um potentially doing some 70.3s do you do you ever see yourself doing uh the full full ironman events and competing there it's so far <laughs> I'm not sure. I take my hat off to anybody that does it, but um, I, I've always said no to a full Ironman. Yeah. Uh, and I used to say no to 70.3, but my, um, my partner, Aaron Royal, um, always tries to convince me to do one. He's like, just give it a go. You just, just give it a go. You'll be fine. And I think off the training that we do, I could probably, um, you know, do a 70.3 fairly okay. Um, I'm not, don't know how good I would be, but you know, I'd get round and, mm. uh, and be fine. I think off the training that we do. So I wouldn't have to adjust too much in that regards. Um, but an Ironman is a whole different <laughs> kettle of fish, isn't it? Like the training is, um, quite different, I think. So, yeah. um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to commit to a full Ironman. Everyone says, <laughs> just go to Tenby and then you'll definitely do it. I was like, oh. <laughs> so maybe I'll go down and watch and then maybe I'll be uh, coaxed into doing it, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, so like quite, quite interesting for me and this might be a really daft question and I, I'm, I'm genuinely asking this, right? Because I, I don't know. Um, it's not like a loaded question or anything, but like, you know, for athletes kind of like in your, um, in your position that have been competing at ITU level for, you know, for, for quite a while and they, they kind of like make a jump across then into kind of 70.3 and Ironman. And what what is the kind of like the main reason they end up jumping across? I think the intensity of ITU um, is really hard, both mm. physically and mentally. Um, it's, the ITU kind of World Series circus is a bit of a circus, you know. It's a travelling circus. It's you're travelling a lot. You generally away on camp a lot. Um, and it's hard like both mentally and physically you get tired and as you get older you have the younger kind of 
quick, powerful athletes coming up. And, you know, I think they just gradually take over. And I think as you get older, you kind of tend towards sort of the lower intensity. Obviously, it's, it's just as hard, if not harder, but it's, you, have, you know, haven't got that such high intensity. Yeah. And I think it's kind of a natural progression. Mm. Uh, and also a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, ITU athletes really respect the Ironman distance and I know a lot of them, you know, hold ambitions of going to Kona and competing in Kona. Um, it's still kind of like a bit of a holy grail, even within the short distance yeah, yeah. Um, events. And I think that's a, a, a lot of it. I think you start at ITU because it's a young person's, you know, it's a young person's event and then you know sort of graduate into the Ironman kind of distances I guess it's the same with runners when you know they tend to progress into marathon as they get older yeah, so yeah, it's a yeah. similar kind of kind of story I think yeah is there and this again might be a cheeky question right um and you don't have to answer you can tell me to bugger off but like is there is there is part of the attraction like financial or is it like not is it not viable from a financial perspective to kind of like jump across into, you know, full Ironman or 70.3s for, for a professional athlete? I think it really depends on, on who you are. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're the very best, uh, especially from a ITU point of view, if you're in that very top um, kind of percentage of athletes, then, you know, you can make a a decent living um mm. you know you can you can make good money um and yeah probably you know not many people can retire from triathlon and never work again there's probably one or two sure. people that i can think of but um yeah but there's a lot of athletes you know from top 10 down who are living hand to mouth almost you know they're just traveling from race to race and um they win money there which means they can go to another training camp and go to another race so it's not super easy for everybody on the circuit and i'm not 100 sure if it's the same in ironman but i get the impression yeah. that it, it you know it is the same okay. and if you have good sponsors that will support you from your in in your transition then you're probably really lucky um and it also depends where you're from so ironman is massive in germany um in america so if you're one of those athletes in those kind of countries then you're probably more likely to get to get the backing yeah. and i think it's really growing in the uk as well but i think in the uk because of alistair and johnny brownlee and their achievements um itu is kind of seems to be the or olympic distance seems to kind of be the main attraction it gets shown on bbc and they talk yeah, about it as yeah. sports personality so um, I think maybe as Alistair and Johnny move into Iron Man, that might actually bring mm. Iron Man more and more into the mainstream, which will be great for, for Iron Man as a sport and, and hopefully financially for any of the sort of British athletes that want to pursue it more seriously. But, you know, there are obviously some brilliant uh, British athletes that are doing very well financially from, yeah. from doing Iron Man, but they are exceptionally, you know, exceptionally good athletes. So, yeah, yeah it's a bit easier for them probably to, to make it financially viable. It's, it's, it's quite interesting for me because like I, my background's golf and um, I know quite a few of the listeners will probably, uh, you know, laugh again. I mean, mentioning golf on another triathlon podcast, um, but it, it's like, I, I've had a little insight into kind of, you know, professional athletes from a golf perspective and their opportunities to earn. And it, it just seems like, like triathlon is definitely not set up 
anywhere near as good as kind of like other sports in terms of being able to earn money just because it's a participation sport rather than a viewing sport. Like you don't see it on TV, you know, the, the sponsors, you know, are, are going to be few and far between in terms of, you know, being able to get kind of TV time and, um, you know, any kickbacks from that. So it's, um, it must be bloody tough when I look at it, 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 it almost, almost seems impossible, you know? Yeah, no, it, is, it is really tough, especially mm. when you're starting out. And I was really fortunate that my parents were always really supportive. And uh, I probably should have had mum and dad put on my tri-suit when I first started off. They were kind of my, <laughs> my main sponsors and supporters. Um, but I was really fortunate. You know, not everybody's lucky enough to be able to have yeah. that, that support. And, um, you know, I take my hats off to a lot of people that when they first start in their working and, uh, you know, trying to trying to balance the two until it becomes financially viable yeah. to, to actually go full time. Um, but I think one of the things with triathlon compared to say golf, tennis, is obviously the the media coverage. That's a, a massive, massive mm. part of it. But also triathlon is such a, it's quite a relatively new sport. Mm. Um, it only debuted in the Olympics in 2000, uh, which is, you know, obviously that's where, you're going to get a lot of media coverage um, and and how the media kind of gets interested in the sport and it comes into the mainstream. So it's pretty new and it's still evolving as a sport. You know, they're still trying lots of different formats and, um, you know, I think they're still pushing for new events in the Olympics. So yeah. next year you'll have the uh, team relay. And then I think for 2024, they may be pushing for some different other additional format within there as well. So I think that's one of the reasons that triathlon is is so far behind um maybe from an organization point of view as well is that it's quite new and people are still learning yeah. and that infrastructure and just isn't in place so yeah. hopefully it'll progress there's um uh, the pto which has been set up which yeah. is the yeah. professional triathletes organization and they're really doing great work to try mm. and improve um you know improve things for elite athletes and make it make it more sort of viable for them yeah i i definitely think that triathlon needs that kind of like organization to kind of like to pull it all together um like it's not similar to golf but you know it, it kind of it, it definitely needs that i think and setting up the races in a certain ways which are going to allow kind of like better media coverage and to be able to cover it from start to finish like the, the relays like you say i think is it's like a really big opportunity, you know, because it's, and especially from a participation standpoint as well. I mean, they'd be so much fun to, to enter and get involved in and to watch as well. They're very, very exciting. Um, it must be quite good to, to do one of them. I've never done one. <laughs> yeah, I know that they're great. And they, like you said, they have been fantastic for our sport. The mixed mm. relay has been sort of around for a really long time, but uh, since it got announced as, as part of the Olympics, was it probably, I don't know whether it was four years ago, five years ago. Mm. Um, you know, there's been a massive sort of improvement in how it's covered, how it's presented to the media. And yeah, it's brilliant uh, as an athlete. You know, we all love doing the mixed team relay. It's a very individual sport normally, isn't it? So it's great to sort of come together as a team and, yeah, and have yeah. that opportunity to, to race not just as a team, but also have men and women in the same team. And I think that's a really cool dynamic and, and pretty unique to triathlon. I think swimming are maybe doing um, something similar now, but triathlon is kind of the, the leader in, in having sort of this mixed gender relay teams. And um, I think that's really exciting. And, and yeah. like I said, the, 
it adds to the tactics and the sort of dynamic of the races um and they're just so fun to watch i don't know if you watched hamburg at the weekend and they had the world mixed relay championships there and, and the lead was changing all the time and you just didn't know you know what was actually going to happen in the end so i think it's um a really great step forward for our sport to have that and yeah. see it more and more yeah, I was. Um, I didn't watch that on the weekend. I was down in Tembe cry- crying that the Ironman event wasn't going to be on yesterday. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I wasn't I crying, but <laughs> was it supposed to be yesterday? It was supposed to be yesterday. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. There's there's been so many athletes down there all weekend. It was um, yeah, it was, it was absolutely buzzing in the town. To be fair. Oh, really? Oh, of course. People yeah. were just going down there and training and. Yeah, yeah, there was there was a big big fuss by all the local authorities saying that people are going to be racing down there, you know, um, on their own accord, you know, with the road being open. But I don't think it was like that. You know, people are always going yeah. down to Tembe training and stuff, you know, and yeah, yeah it, it didn't seem like that from from where I was uh, looking at it anyway. But yeah, yeah just there, a nice was, atmosphere and yeah, yeah, it was class. It was absolute class. So you is it for the same time next year or? I think uh yeah i think it's a week a week later in the, in the year in the calendar so um yeah everything's been transferred to next year and i get another year of training now thank god perfect <laughs> and i need be, uh, it. even I need more it. ready <laughs> yeah exactly i mean for, for me my big goal is just to get my weight down a little bit more um you know just up my ftp a little bit on the bike and and just learn how to kind of just hold kind of like a lower intensity for longer you know, because um, I've been speaking to the guy who's been helping me with with coaching, uh, a guy called Dan Farmer, and uh, you know, he, he, he rates kind of like the FTP test quite highly, but even more so, just being able to hold kind of like you know seventy seventy five percent of your FTP for you know a very very long time. Um, that's something that I'm not well haven't been very good at, but getting better at. So yeah, I'm yeah. quite excited to have another year of uh, improving. Oh, I'm sure a year is a, is a is a long time to sort of make those make those gains, and I'm sure yeah. um, you can you can do that. And that is basically the uh, the key to Ironman, isn't it? It's just sitting yeah, at that yeah. threshold pace for as long as you yeah. can, and not spending too much time over it because I'm sure that'll come back and bite you in the ass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it's it's quite interesting. It's even like like my I've I've not got a background in cycling or anything really, um, but. You know, just just learning kind of not to push it too much on the hills. You know, um, actually, you know, being quite aggressive on the descents. You know, it's all things I'm kind of like picking up as I'm going out with kind of like better cyclists. And yeah, I'm quite excited actually. Really, really excited. I really want to get a a strong PB now next year. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure you will. Like, that is yeah. definitely great advice when you go out riding with people that are kind of new to cycling and don't do it very often. You definitely get to a hill and they start absolutely sprinting up it. And you just think, if you just keep it steady, um, yeah. you know, you, you, your overall ride would be quicker because you haven't sort of had those redlining moments um, every time you've hit a hill. So that's definitely great advice. And it's the same for running as well. You get it when you run, people sprint up yeah, a hill yeah, yeah. and then they like basically grind to a halt at the top. So yeah. uh, save it for the same for the descents where you get a bit of free speed i think yeah exactly exactly but it's it's like it's so not like instinctive to do that well it hasn't been for me anyway you know like you say you want to get out of the saddle you know and push it hard up the hill and then get to the top and it's like jesus (laughs) i need to i need to have a cup of coffee and a welsh cake you know (laughs) (laughs) 
that's the perfect mid-ride fuel <laughs> exactly exactly in um in tempe on the weekend i was um like i've been trying to, to work really hard on my kind of nutrition and diet and everything and um i was walking through i can't even remember what street it is but it's in the T- tempe town center and i'm walking up the street and i've had a i've just had a, a salad right, a halloumi salad and um i thought right today is going to be a great day and i've walked up the street and literally, I had the biggest waft of, you know, fresh Welsh cakes just oh, being no. kind of like coming <laughs> off the stove. And I could just feel myself getting dragged into the shop. But um, yeah, I smashed four of them. Yeah, warm Welsh cakes. Sorry. Yeah, it's class. It was it was awesome. You can't beat a Welsh cake. It's, I think it's... <laughs> um, it's definitely nutritionist approved Welsh cakes. Good fuel. I, yeah, I try, I try, I tried to pick, you know, the, the good bits out of it and thought, you know, there's there's there's, there's some raisins in there, you know, that's that's good. Um, yeah. yeah. Protein in the egg. <laughs> exactly, uh. exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's class. When you're training so not, for an Iron Man, I feel like you can eat some cake. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I need to not eat the cake at the moment. We'll have to wait wait, <laughs> wait until I'm a, I'm a, I'm a little bit lighter, but. That's all good. No, I, I, I just want to say thanks so much for your time. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm so, so, so grateful. And I know it's, it's getting quite late in Australia and I'm conscious of taking too much of your time. Um, but just to kind of like to finish off a little bit, for, for any of the listeners who may be getting into triathlon or potentially even like athletes like myself who've been doing it for a little while, what would your kind of advice be in terms of, uh, you know, maybe to, to get a little bit faster uh, in general? You know, I know you said you, you're not an expert in terms of like training, but you've got heaps of experience. Kind of what, what would the things that you would be to, to kind of you would say to pass on some some good advice to, to any triathletes listening? Uh, I think so. one of the best things that I've learned is. Uh, since I've been working with my new coach is the uh, minimal effective dose of training so more isn't always more Um, and that's probably really difficult when you're training for an Ironman because you need to do probably I'm assuming quite a lot of volume but it's always trying to do as least training as possible that will make you better Uh, because as soon as you start pushing and doing too much um, your body starts to break down Um, so don't be afraid to sort of um err on the side of caution I think in the end it will serve you better so I always think going into race I'd rather go into a race and be 98% ready than be 102% and overdone and sick ill injured um so yeah always just try and keep yourself just below that maximum and you know save your bullets for racing so in training you should be training hard but you shouldn't be, you know, ending training sessions absolutely broken because that takes a lot out of you and you should be saving that for race day when, you know, mm. it, re- it really counts, you know. You don't win races in training, you win races when you race, so. Yeah, awesome. I think that's, that's class advice, I like that. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, so, I mean, in, t- in terms of questions, Non, I haven't even wrote down questions, to be fair. I've just kind of like winged this to a certain, I've got a couple of words on here and, and I've, I've, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done. And I, th- I, think we, I think we've got some, um, some really good points to put across there and I'm sure it's going to be valuable to all of the listeners. So again, I want to say a massive, massive thank you. I'm so grateful. And um, yeah, fingers crossed that all of the Welsh supporters in Tembe will see you on that start line uh, sometime in the future fingers crossed <laughs> maybe uh, we'll see but thank you so much for having me it's been great to talk to you and uh, good luck with that uh, preparation for next year's Tembe 
yeah thank you very much indeed cheers man thank you thanks a lot